0: Good boys and girls, Two Footed Podcast on Wednesday the 17th of August, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe. So if you're a UK expat and you want to watch Match of the Day on BBC iPlayer, a Liberty Shield VPN is what you need and it will get you to the show you want to watch, to the channel you want to watch, and keep that data safe. So check out LibertyShield.com, use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, on either the hardware or software packages. You get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. I do also, of course, want to remind you to, watch, to listen to the other podcasts from EPL Index, a tad predictable, hosted by Tadewa. Podcast being report, recorded today to be out tonight or tomorrow with Riley Finch, looking ahead at Match Week 3. And of course, there is the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries. It's out every Sunday night or Monday morning, reviewing the weekend's games. So check those out. EPL Roundtable is on its own feed. If you just search EPL Roundtable on your podcast provider, it will be there. A tad predictable is on this feed. Right, folks, um, where to start? Elon Musk tweeted last night that he was buying Manchester United. And United fans, the ones that were still awake at that point, got very excited. Then he tweeted that he was just joking. But today, we have an article in The Independent from Miguel Delaney, the chief football writer. Man United buyers circle... Amid growing optimism the Glazers could finally sell, a series of industry sources insist the biggest takeover in global sports history is a strong possibility within the next year to 24 months. At least three consortiums are circling Manchester United with a view to a formal bid in the belief the Glazers would sell the club for £6 The Independent has been told that a number of meetings between high net worth individuals and brokers have taken place since last May due to a growing feeling in the industry that the deal of the century could be on. Look, it remains to be seen if there's any truth to that. Now, Todd Bowley and more specifically Clear Lake Capital paid £5.24 billion for Chelsea. That included about £2 of that, which was to go towards the stadium and maintenance of the club. I would have to believe that Manchester United, which is a significantly bigger club than Chelsea, a significantly bigger global brand than Chelsea, would cost substantially more than Chelsea did. United could also do with massive stadium upgrades but the glazers won't care about that and won't include that in any sort of contract of sale so what would be the right price if chelsea's actual price for the sale of the club was about 3.25 billion is 6 billion a fair price it probably is will the glazers sell i have doubts i really do have doubts Now, one of the people mentioned here is Sir Jim Radcliffe, who is Britain's richest man, owner of Nice. And he was one of the people who tried to get involved in the bidding for Chelsea. Now, whether or not he would have interest in buying Manchester United, I don't know. What we do know is that the Glazers have been bad owners, that the Glazers in the manner in which they bought the club, loaded debt onto the club, debt which remains to this day 16 years later, 15 years later, and cost the club a significant amount to maintain year on year. We know that there's been no significant investment in the stadium or in the training ground or at the academy. We know that Manchester United's standards have fallen off. We know that Manchester United have been poorly run from the top down from the day that David Gill left. You see, when the Glazers bought the club, they inherited Ferguson, they inherited Gill. And those two men were exceptional at their jobs and were able to maintain a very high standard, even though... At that time, there were still United fans who were against the Glazers, even when they were winning titles. So not all of the protests and complaints about them is reactionary to the last decade of failure. This began while Ferguson was still there winning league titles. It is worth noting that Alex Ferguson repeatedly called them great owners has maintained a very close relationship with them, remains a public defender of the Glazers, and is in part to blame for the state of Manchester United. For all the good that he did as a manager, he left behind a complete power vacuum because he refused to allow normal structures to be put in place for fear of giving up any power at the club. And he has interfered in the decision-making processes at Manchester United since retirement. Now, that's not all his fault, obviously. They have allowed him to do that. They have enabled him to do that. They allowed him to pick his successor. He picked David Moyes. That was a bad decision. David Moyes is a good manager, but not at Manchester United. David Moyes is the type of guy you want if you're West Ham or if you're Everton, if you're Aston Villa. David Moyes would be a good appointment. Leicester, David Moyes would be a good appointment. He's not a top six, a big six manager, but he'd be very, very good for basically everybody below that. Now, I know people will say, well, he failed at Real Saucy and he failed at Sunderland. And those things are absolutely true. But that was clearly the trauma of what went on at Manchester United. That man signed a six-year contract and was sacked after eight months. Now, fortunately for him, Ferguson did him a solid and he got his contract guaranteed. So they paid him his six years of salary. They were paying him up until 2019. They were also paying Van Hal and Mourinho for years after they left because they're probably still paying Mourinho. Because managers are clever. And when you walk into a situation that you know is not ideal you protect yourselves. When Chelsea hired Andre Villas-Boas away from Porto and paid £13 million to do so, Villas-Boas spoke to one person he knew would tell him honestly what he should do, and that person was Jose Mourinho. And Mourinho said, no matter what you do, make sure your contract is guaranteed. Now, Many managerial contracts, let's say you sign a five-year deal, and let's say you get sacked after 18 months, the club will continue to pay you up until you take another job. And then if the next salary you take is less than your Manchester United or Everton or Chelsea or whoever salary, they will make up the difference for the tenure of the contract. But if you can guarantee your contract, you get all your money and you can then take another job and get whatever you want. So United have been handing out these type of guaranteed contracts and it's been costing them a fortune. And part of the reason they've had to do it with Van Hal and with Mourinho is because they did it with Moyes, who got a solid from Ferguson. This has cost United an absolute fortune. Many things have cost United an absolute fortune, including their failures in the transfer market. And I saw the other night, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher went over the players signed by United um, since the summer of 2013. And they rated them in three categories. Green for good, amber for OK, red for flop. So let's take a quick look at where these broke down. They had two players in the green category. One was Zlatan. And that one's a little bit questionable. Now, Zlatan had an excellent first season at United. But then he tore his ACL. And his second season at United was pretty terrible, to be truthful. He played seven games all year, scored one goal. Missed most of the season, obviously, because of the injury. But that first season, 28 goals in 46 games. And he was really, really good for them and played an important role in their success. They won the Europa League and the League Cup that year. So I can see that as a success. I can. Bruno was unbelievable for 18 months, but has struggled for the last 12. The arrival of Cristiano Ronaldo has hampered Bruno massively. But I still think you would say that is a successful transfer. In the Amber group, they've got Ander Herrera. I think that's fair. I think he was okay for United. He did fairly well for his tenure there. Luke Shaw, I can't get on board with. Luke Shaw has had one good season since United signed him in 2014. One in eight years. And it was the year there was no fans. So I'm not having him as Amber. Nemanja Matic was past his best when United bought him. That was the reason he was available. And he was okay. But did he move the needle? Did he help them? win anything. I just don't know that Nemanja Matic wasn't a flop at United. Like, he spent five years at the club. 49 games, 38 games, 34, 36, 32. FA Cup runner-up, Europa League runner-up. Uh £40 million. £40 million. I just don't know that that's not a failure. Fred, I mean, again, he's been okay. But compared to what they thought they were getting when they paid £50 for him, I just, I don't think so. Harry Maguire been down as an amber is laughable. Absolutely laughable. He has been... A calamity for most of his time at United. And even if he'd just been okay, which he hasn't been, he's been poor. If he'd just been okay, they paid a world record fee for a defender to bring him to the club. He is a flop at Manchester United. Now, they won't say that because he's an England international, an England regular, but there's no way around it. He has been a flop. Edinson Cavani, I mean, he didn't want to be there. He was injured frequently. When he was playing, his form was inconsistent. Last season, I thought he was terrible when he did play, and he barely played. Now, his first season wasn't bad, 17 goals in 39 games. But last season, 2-20. I get that he was a free, and that's probably why you you put him in the Amber group, but still. Cristiano Ronaldo, look, the world and his mother knows that he made them worse. He scored goals and made everybody around him worse. So you can put him in the Amber group because he scored goals, but, I mean, look at the circus he's creating now. And he's also uh, saying he will reveal the truth about what's going on in an upcoming interview, which I think is going to be held with Piers Morgan, which is just going to be an abomination. Uh, Red, flops. Marwan Fellaini. I think that's fairly fair. Juan Mata, though, if if Matic is in the Amber group, I don't know how Juan Mata is not in the Amber group. Juan Mata was very good for United for a couple of years and helped them win some things. I think Juan Mata had a better time at United than Matic. Rojo was a flop. He was a bad buy. He was never good enough to play for a club like United. Uh, Angel de Maria, he was there one season, and they used him as a wing-back. But, yeah, they lost money on him in a year, and he forced his way out. So, yeah, fair enough. And Daly Blind, Daily Blind was just badly used, but he was actually pretty decent when he was there. So I don't know that he's a flop. Memphis, yeah, fair enough. Schweinsteiger, definitely. Darmian, definitely. Schneiderlin definitely. Anthony Martial. Now, he's had two good seasons at United since joining. So how is he a flop and Luke Shaw is not? Now, I think they're both flops, but I don't know how you could say Shaw has been better for United than Martial. Eric Bailly He's been good when he's fit. He just can't stay fit. Uh, Mectarian, it just didn't work. Pogba, the biggest flop of all. I, I don't know that Lindelof can be marked. How is Lindelof in red if, if McGuire is an amber? Lindelof has been better than Maguire. Lukaku flop. Sanchez flop. Delo flop. Dan James. I mean, fair enough. He wasn't good enough. He was never good enough. But didn't they over double their money? So for me, that makes it an amber. Wan-Bissaka, yes. Donny Vanderbeek, yes. Alex Telles, yes. Ahmad Maddy I mean, how on earth are you judging him as a flop when the poor kid hasn't had an opportunity? He's played eight, sorry, nine games for United didn't play for them at all last season. Oh, he did, sorry, one game last season. One. One appearance. I don't know how you can suggest that he's a flop. That kid is immensely gifted. Immensely gifted. And I don't really know why United continue to look at the likes of Anthony when they have a player in-house who's, in my opinion, equally as talented and they paid an enormous amount of money for him, why wouldn't you give him an opportunity? I mean, I'm looking at this United squad, and I'm wondering what sort of logic is there behind the players that have been linked with? Because for me, it's very clear that United need tearing down. We'll come back to it, but it's very clear they need tearing down and rebuilding. Uh, and then the next two are Sancho and Varane. I, again, I'm I'm not getting how dare flops and Maguire isn't. I, I just don't get it. They had one season there. Were they great? No. Varane was better than Maguire, though. Sancho had a rough year, but he was set up to fail by what was put round him. So if we look at this United squad right now, we take a long look at this squad right now you can see what united need to do united need to play four two three one okay that's what they that's what ten hag wants to play it's what they need to play and they need to commit to giving players a chance and seeing if they're good enough let's not decide that they're not good enough without actually seeing what they're capable of Now, what we do know is that United need a new goalkeeper because Onana at Ajax, who was key to how Ten Hag's team played, was excellent with his feet. De Gea is not comfortable with his feet. He's not comfortable outside his six-yard box. He has a very specific skill set that is outdated in the modern game. He can have success at certain clubs but not under a manager like this. So United need a new goalkeeper. Now, I haven't seen enough of Malashia, but we're going to stick him in at left back and give the lad a chance. Let's see what you're actually capable of. This is your position for 12 months. Let's see what you can do. He's 23 today. So let's see what he can do. At centre back, there's a very clear need. They need to bring in somebody to partner Rafa Varan. The best option they currently have is Victor Lindelof, but he's got injury issues as well. So you look to bring someone in to partner Varane. They also need an attack-minded right back, someone that can get forward, provide quality. Interplay with the wingers. Push back the opposition. Someone with pace. Someone comfortable playing in a front-footed, attack-minded team. So we need three players. In midfield, the best thing you can do right now is play Lisandro Martinez as your holding midfielder. Because he can't play at centre-back in the Premier League. And... You'd want to see what Malashia can offer on the left. So let's play him as a holding midfielder. But he needs a partner. We know that Fred is not quite good enough to start, but he's okay. You could go Fred and Martinez and just have them graft and win the ball back and transition it wide and forward. But ideally, you'd want him on the bench. We know Scott McTominay is nowhere near good enough. But he will always give his all. He will always work hard. He does lack quality, but he's the type of fella you could bring on with 10 to go to close out a game or to give you a burst of energy. So you keep him around as a squad player. We don't know what James Garner is. I don't think he's Premier League level. But wouldn't it be worth giving him a chance before you just sell him? At least as your fourth central midfielder. Now, me, I'd be looking to bring in someone to play next to Martinez. I'd be looking to find someone who's dynamic, who can go touchline to touchline and box to box and be a destroyer, be disruptive to what the opposition are trying to do. Martinez has good positional sense, reads the game well, and is a good passer of the ball. So have him as the sitter, and have a partner for him who goes and just gets the ball back. And then behind those two, you'd have Garner, Fred, McTominay. So one midfielder could make your midfield look all the different. That midfielder is not Frankie Dion. I know, I know, he wants Frankie, he wants to be able to play through the midfield, Look at the squad you have around you. Look at the squad that's there. That's not the best use of this squad. The best use of this squad is going to be maximizing the three behind the one in a four, two, three, one, and pushing your fullbacks right on. Attack with six, defend with four. Defend with your two two defensive midfielders and two centre-backs. And let everybody else go. And figure it out from there. You're meant to be a tactical genius. Let's see what you can do. In the line of three behind the one, United have really good options. On the right, you've got Ahmad Diallo. You've got Facundo Palestri. You've got Anthony Alanga. You can use any of those three. On the left, you've got Sancho, you've got Shorla Shorthair, you've got Gernacho, you've got Rashford. Up front, you've got Martial, you've got Rashford. Cristiano needs to go. Now, again, you'd like a striker, but if you're not going to get one in, if you've got so many other needs. Maybe just leave that for now and focus on getting the rest right. De Gea, they need to move on from. Lindelof can be a backup centre-back. Baye can be a backup centre-back. Phil Jones, maybe you keep him for quota purposes, but other than that, there's no real reason to have him. Harry Maguire, I think they have to move on. Martinez move into midfield. Cristiano, just get rid of him. Just find a home from wherever it is that'll take him. Bruno's your starting 10. You've got Ericsson, you've got Donny. You've got Garnacho. can play there. You've got loads of options. I also missed Hannibal Mejewald, but we'll get to him in a sec. Martial, make him your nine. Rashford, make him your backwood nine. There is the Greenwood thing that hangs over them. Who knows what happens with him? Make Malashi your starting left back. Ericsson's the backup to Bruno. Make Ahmad the starting right winger. Fred's a backup in midfield. Varane should be a starting centre-back. Delo can be a backup right back. That's fine. Tom Heaton is a third-choice goalkeeper, so ideally United probably need to bring in two. A starter and a backup. Luke Shaw, I mean, ideally you'd get rid of him, but who's going to take him at this point? Maybe West Ham if they don't get Palmieri. Uh, but then, yeah, that's actually what you should do. Just move Luke Shaw on. Just move him on. He's not going to get any better. Is he good? He can be. Is he consistent? No. Sancho's your starting left winger Pelestri's depth on the wing Juan Basaka they should sell he's just not technically up to the level they want keep hold of Brandon Williams as the backup left back Donny's another backup to Bruno Alanga's depth on the wing Garner's depth in midfield Tunzabi's depth at centre back McTominay's depth in midfield uh, Ted and Menji I don't think I've seen much of him but just you might as well keep him he's homegrown, he'll care so keep him as depth at centre-back. Uh, Heath Cha- uh, Chong can play all across the, the three behind the one. You might as well keep him. He's homegrown. Let's see if he can do any bit for you. Meshbury, you definitely keep. He's an option in midfield. Short is an option wide. And Garnaccio's an option in the three behind the one. Of the three that are on loan uh Alvaro F- Fernandez I don't know much about, but I think he's meant to be exceptionally talented as a left back, so maybe he's your long term left back um i I saw Preston fans waxing lyrical about him, so maybe you just keep developing him Alex tellez you sell and Dean Henderson's a a good goalkeeper, but again he's not the style you're looking for so you sell him next summer. You sell De Gea. You sell McGuire. You sell Shaw. You get rid of Cristiano. And do you know what? The rest of it's not terrible. Oh, wan Basaki, you get rid of. But if you add a starting goalkeeper who can play with his fi- who can play the ball out from the back, you know there's got to be somebody they can find who's comfortable in that role. Then you go and you get a backup for that person because you're going to need two of them. Get a starting right back, get a starting centre back, and get a starting holding midfield. That's five signings. There's still time in this window to get two or three in. And then in January, you could go and get the other two. And then next summer, maybe all you need to do is go and buy that nine. And all of a sudden, you're completely transformed. And not I don't mean transformed as in you're going to win the league. I mean, you're going to be a top-four team with potential to develop further because you've got the likes of Sancho and Ahmad who are really young and can develop into more. You've got all these young players from your academy, like Shorthar, Garnacho, Mejbri, Menji, Chong, Williams, Pallestri, who they bought, but he's a, they bought him through the academy. Maybe these players develop into something. But let, let's have a plan here. Let's actually plan for Manchester United to take steps in the right direction. You're not going to go from where they are to title challenger in a year. It just doesn't work like that. Jurgen Klopp took over Liverpool in October 2015. They didn't challenge for the league until the 1819 season. This fourth season, this third full season is fourth season. So let's say you take a four-year approach to this. Four years we're going to be challenging for the title. Year one, we clear out De Gea and Maguire, these overpaid, underperforming, awful fits. By selling Maguire, it also opens up the captaincy again. Now I don't look at that United squad. And see a single real leader. But maybe one emerges. Maybe one emerges. And if not, make that part of what you look for when you buy players. Leaders. Players that can come in and actually make a difference. And look, if Martinez doesn't work in midfield, sell him. If Ahmad doesn't work on the wing... Sell them. You've got four years. Make a long-term plan. Make a long-term commitment. But United won't do any of this. They won't do any of this at all. They'll look at that squad and they'll add players that are badly fitting to the players they have. They might buy players like Frankie towards an idea of what they think they want to be. But what they want to be doesn't suit this group of players. And this isn't an awful group of players. It really isn't. Lindelof is decent. Baye is decent. Martinez is good. Bruno's excellent. Martial is good. Can be very good. Same goes for Rashford. malasia don't know yet. Ericsson, very good. Ahmad, don't know yet. Fred is decent. Varane is very good. He's not great anymore, but he's still very good. Delo is decent. Sancho's very good. Palestri very talented. Brandon Williams is good. Donny Vanderbeek is good. Elanga is good. Garner is at least decent. Tunzeby is decent. McTominay is what well, he's a grafter. Menji, I don't know. Chung, I don't know. know. I know he cares. I know he cares. I know that every time he steps foot on the p- on the pitch for United, he is going to give every little bit that he has. Shore by all accounts, is immensely talented. And Garnaccio, from the bits I've seen, really does look a talent. Really, really does look a talent. So back those players. Start forming your team or your squad from those players. Add five signings. Now, you're not going to get rid of De Gea this window. So just go and get your starter. Make him the backup. Let him leave next summer. Eat his contract if you have to. Like, this is the thing. United have players there like De Gea who is 31, he'll be 32 in November. He's earning about 350 grand a week. And as I said, he is a good goalkeeper. He's just a horrible fit. He's actually out of contract next summer. Now, do United have the option to extend? They do. Do not extend that contract. Let him leave. Wave goodbye to him. Just eat the error. Of giving him his last contract and holding on on to him this long. You're going to have to have some pain in a rebuild. You you are. And I know United fans have had a lot of pain. I'm talking about the money men at the club are going to have to have some pain. Now, Maguire's contract until 2025 with an option until 2026... I'd be finding a buyer for him. You will find someone that will take him. You might only get 25, 30 million, but somebody will take him. Brendan Rodgers would take him. Everton would take him. If you have to make up the difference in his contract, fine. Get him off your books. He's not good enough. He's never going to be good enough. He's only going to decline from here Luke Shaw I do think you'll find a buyer for him I think, I think West Ham would take him he's only 20 he's still only 27 which is madness but I think West Ham would take him they need a left back call them offer offer him. you've got Malashia you've got Williams is it ideal maybe not But let's make this year zero. Make this year zero and just try and figure out who's good enough and who's not. And if by the end of the season you realise that there's five or six or seven more who aren't good enough, move them on. Tear it down to the studs if you need to. But go and get a goalkeeper now and go and get a a, a centre-back now. And if you have to overpay a bit, overpay a bit. But find defenders that can play in a high line. Find a goalkeeper that wants to play as a sweeper. Find a midfielder that can get you the ball back. Get those things. Get that right back who will bomb forward and provide something down that flank. And interplay with the left with the, the right winger who could be Ahmad, could be Gernaccio, could be Shortire, could be Sancho played that side, whatever. But get fullbacks who suit the wingers you have. Don't leave them stuck out on an island. They're always going to have a really strong academy at United. Always. And there's by all accounts some very talented players in their academy. Uh, Ethan Galbraith, the Northern Irish player. I've seen bits of him. He does look a very promising youngster. I think he might be 21 now, though. Ethan Laird is another one. He's 21. He's had a bunch of loans. He's gone to QPR now. Uh, Look, you're better off having him as a backup right back who will care than someone who might be 10% better but is only there for the paycheck. Start using this academy again. It was one of the things that Ferguson did. Like Darren Fletcher, for example, was never a great player. Never a great player. But he cared more. So he was able to overcome his limitations and his technical deficiencies and the fact that he regularly played against players who were significantly better than him because he cared more. Because he'd been at United since he was 11. He cared about the club. He cared about Ferguson, about Ferguson's trust in him. And these other youngsters, they can do that as well. Just give them an opportunity. Take a hard line with them, though. But United are so badly run that God knows what they're going to do. I mean, the latest names linked, uh, Casemiro. Now, Casemiro's one of the best holding midfielders Ever. Genuinely, he's a fantastic player, but he's 30. And if he joins you, he's joining for one reason and one reason only. He is joining for one last payday. And if Real Madrid are willing to let him go, they're doing so for one reason and one reason only. They think he's washed. Real don't let players go in their prime. They let them go when they think they're about to fall off. That's how you got Ferran, by the way. That's why they let Ramos go. It's why they let Cristiano go. And you know what? They were right about all of them. And they'll be right about Casemiro as well. He's about as bad an idea as I can think of. That's a worse idea than Rabio. Because Rabio at least would have been cheaper in terms of the fee. And he's younger. Casemiro's 30. He's going to cost, you'd imagine, I mean, 40, 45, 50. And he's going to want 400 grand a week. I know Rabio was asking for silly money. And that's why that fell apart. But still, Rabio's four, three or four years younger. Not Not nearly as good but a lot cheaper and a lot easier to get rid of when the time comes. Casemiro's contract is still 2025. Real are going to look for big money on this. He only signed an extension this time last year. And his agents will nail you to the wall as well. So just swerve that. Another name linked is Pedro Neto. Neto would be a great signing. Play him on the right, Sancho on the left. Except again... Who are the fullbacks that are going to support these wingers? And then what do I do with Ahmad Diallo? I spoke to uh, Tim Nash, who covers uh, Wolves, and he doesn't think there's any truth to it at all. He says he'd be very surprised if Neto was available, which you'd hope is the truth. You'd hope Wolves will keep him. But I, I just, I look at United and I'm baffled. I'm baffled. And I'm baffled at how badly run they are. Which brings me on to my next thing. How are they so badly run with their budget and their money? And yet you look at Brentford and Brighton and how well run they are and how well they plan things out. So when Dean Smith left Brentford in the eighteen nineteen season to go and take the Aston Villa job, People thought that was a huge, huge blow for Brentford because Smith had been there, I think, two and a half, three years, and he'd done quite well keeping them sort of solid in mid-table. And at that point, that seemed a little bit like Brentford were punching above their weight because they are a smaller club. I mean, their highest home attendance in that... 2018-19 2000, uh, season at the old Griffin Park the highest home attendance was 12,000 because that's what the stadium held They're a, they were a small club in the championship and you look at what they've done over the last couple of years and it's really really impressive It really is impressive what they've been able to do, who they've been able to bring in, and how carefully they've built their team. So you look at nineteen twenty, Frank's first season. He takes over a team that's always been mid-table in the championship while they've been in the championship. His first full season, they finish third. They get to the playoff final and they lose in the playoff final. They bring in Christian Norgard. He's still... A vital member of the team. But he had gone from Bromby to Fiorentina. It hadn't worked from at Fiorentina. Brentford took a gamble, paid almost $3 million for him. Frank had coached him before with Bromby. Knew him really well. Knew he was the type of player to come in, sit in front of the defence and screen things. And Nordgaard has been outstanding since they signed him. They brought in Ethan Pinnock from Barnsley. Pinnock was a linchpin of the defence. They brought in Pontus Janssen from Leeds. Was one of the better defenders in the Championship. Was seen as a big deal to get him from a team that had been expected to go up and failed in the playoffs in eighteen ninety. They bring in David Rea from Blackburn, where he's shown he's a good goalkeeper, but more importantly, shown the style of a goalkeeper that he is. His ability to play out from the back, his agility, how aggressive he is, what a high line he can hold. He's exactly what Thomas Frank is looking for. So what's Thomas Frank doing here? He's brought in a holding midfielder, two centre-backs and a goalkeeper. He's building his diamond. He's building that four-man, solid group that he knows he can now rely on. They also bring in Matthias Jensen, another Danish midfielder, another one that Frank knows, having worked with at underage level uh, for Denmark, another very, very promising player. Like... What's the fellow's name? Like Norgard, he had left Denmark a year previously. He'd gone to Celta Vigo and it hadn't worked for him. So Brentford picked him up for around three and a half million. So now they've got two really strong grafting midfielders with quality on the ball. Then they bring in Brian and Bomo, And all of a sudden the attack starts to look really nice. They've got Ollie Watkins there. They've got Saeed Rama there. Now they add the third piece to that. They also that summer brought in Mads Rorslev, who still plays a role in the squad, and Shandon Baptiste, who still plays a role in the squad. But very careful recruitment. Adding to the group of players that had been there the previous year, which included Rico Henry. So they knew they had a good left back. They didn't need to mess about with that. They just went and bought the centre-backs they needed. They had Josh De Silva in midfield as one who they knew was going to be really promising. But they lacked toughness and ball-winning ability in midfield. So they went and they got that. In attack, they had Watkins, they had Ben Rama, They had Canos. They bring in Mbomo, and he kind of completes the set for them. Now, they don't do this just from hopes and dreams. They don't do this without planning things properly. They know what they need. They know what they want to do. And they know how they have to fund it. And the way they fund it is they sell Ezri Konza to Villa and Neil Mope to Brighton. Those two players going, they cover the cost of basically everything. They finish third, miss out in the playoffs. Following summer, they knew they were going to lose a couple of players, so they lose Ben Rama and they lose Watkins. Two big losses for them. Two very important players who made a big difference. Uh, ben Rama goes on loan, and then it's an option, an obligation to buy, and it's picked up in the January. Watkins leaves in the summer. So how do you replace all those goals walking out the door? Well, they go and they buy Ivan Tony. But whereas they sold Watkins for twenty eight million. They buy Ivan Tony for five million. They bring in Charlie Good, bit of depth at centre back. They bring in Vitali Yannald to complete the midfield. So they had Jensen, they had Norgard, they needed a third one. They brought in Vitali Yannald. They got him on a song. I think he cost them about three million. He's absolutely outstanding. Sorry, I'm wrong. Six hundred grand, they bring him in for. The kid was schooled with Red Bull, went to Bochum, looked really good for Bochum, could play everywhere. And I do mean everywhere. He played in midfield, he played at centre-back, he played up front, he played on the wing. He even stood in for the goalkeeper when the goalkeeper got sent off in a game. But he was 22, he fit exactly the profile they were looking for. Someone with an added bit of quality in the ball who still fit into the ethos, of been really hard working. Of been tactically switched on. Of having good game management skills. At this point, he's moved to a back three as well. Just to start making things a little bit different. He's changing things up. He can go 4-3-3. He can go 3-4-3. He can go 5-3-2. Frank knows he can change the shape and still keep the principles of what he wants in the team so they finish third and they come up through the playoffs they come into the Premier League they turn down bids left, right and centre for a bunch of players including Ivan Tony, and they go out and again they just recruit really well they want more depth in midfield Another one who fits the ethos have been good on the ball and good off the ball and clever. They bring in Onyeka. They want more pace in attack. Another wide option. They bring in Yoan Wissa. They want another centre back. Christopher Asia. Bit more depth. Why not bring in Zanka? A little bit of depth at centre back. Bags fulls of experience. Can't really go wrong with them, And then in January, they're the club that takes the risk and goes and brings in Christian Eriksen. And look at the difference he made for them. And then this summer, the needs in the squad became fairly obvious last season because there was a couple of the players who... Who did stand out a little bit as not being quite Premier League quality. And I think Ethan Pinnock would have been one of those. The right back options weren't great. Um, Roars left, for example. Canos is not exactly a, a natural right back. So they had to go out this summer and address a number of different needs. So one of the things it was clear they needed was a backup goalkeeper. Because when Raya got hurt last year, they were a shambles. So they went and they got Thomas Strakosha, who's an international caliber goalkeeper and a very good one at that. They needed some depth at centre-back. Now, I believe they need one starting centre-back to partner Asia as well. If they're going to play uh, 4-3-3. But they went and they got Ben Mee, who's absolutely good enough to start in the division the concern with him is is injuries, but he's a very very good player Um, so they bring in him they need a starting right back most clubs wouldn't have even considered him, but they went and they bought Aaron Hickey who'd played left back for the most of his career so far but he's two footed and we've seen players play on the wrong side as full backs Guy hates it, I don't mind it as much but Hickey is strong with his right foot. So they go and they get him. And they get him knowing we can sell him in two years and make money. They needed more depth up front. They bring in King Lewis Potter, who'd been outstanding for Hull. Another young player that if developed properly, they'll sell at a profit. And then they needed a replacement for Ericsson. So they went and got Mikhail Darmsgaard. So now, they've got a loaded midfield. They've got really good wide options up front. Strong at the goalkeeping position. You'd be comfortable with the the centre-back options. Not perfect, but comfortable. I still think they need a backup left-back and a starting centre-back. But they may well get them yet. But when you look at their squad... Goalkeepers, David Rea, Thomas Strakosha. They've got Ellery Balcombe and Matthew Cox, who are two younger goalkeepers. Uh, I think Balcombe's gone on loan to Crawley. But they're set with their goalkeepers, a 26-year-old Rea, a 27-year-old Strakosha. No reason they can't have both for the foreseeable. They've got Aaron Hickey on one side and Rico Henry on the other. That's really, really good. Now, I don't know much about Finn Stevens, um, but he's a Wales in the 21 international, who they have there who plays right back, so he can be a backup to Hickey. Roarslev is a right back, and perhaps the plan is if Henry has any issues, Hickey will switch across and one of them will come in as the um, the right back. At centre-back, they've got Charlie Goode, who's not quite Premier League quality. Pinnock, who again, I think is a little bit of the championship level player, but strong backup to have. Ben Mee, Pontus Janssen, Christopher Ayer. And an interesting one is Mads Beck Sorensen, who's a pretty good player, but has really struggled for consistency. But he is young. He's only 23, so still plenty of time to develop so they do have depth there it's just i'd like to see another a year level starter come in to play next to him and complete that defence midfield i think they've got a great group a really really great group norgard and onyeka as sort of number 6 options and then as their eights they've got jensen they've got jannels They've got Baptiste, they've got Damsgaard, they've got Mads Bittstrup, Shandon Baptiste. Did I say him? I might have said him already. Um, and they've got Godus and Josh Da Silva who can also play as eights. Josh Da Silva can play in the front three, as can obviously Mbomo, Lewis Potter and Wiesa, They can play the wide roles. My question is, what happens if Ivan Tony gets hurt? That's the, the big doubt I have. Now they do have the um, the Turkish Ford De, Verzoglu, De Verzoglu, like I, something like that. I don't know how good he is. Is the truth of it? I I, I genuinely have no clue how good he is. Um, he was on loan at Galatasaray last season. Played thirty three games, but he scored five goals. So that would be a bit of a concern to me is what happens if Tony gets hurt. That's probably the third thing they do need. Starting centre-back, back-up to Tony and a backup left back left-back. But if you're only going to do one, if you're only going to do one, then getting a back to Tony is probably the most important one. They have loaned out a few players for the season ahead. They've released a few players who just weren't making the grade there. Um... The sale of Marcus Fours, I think, might be the only thing I'd question from their summer so far. Just because if you're not going to buy a striker, at least having him, whether he's good enough or not, he can do some similar things to Tony and give you a bit of presence up front. But they've done all this while building a new stadium and establishing themselves in in the Premier League, getting promoted and last season excelling so I want to see what they can do I want to see what they can do this year I just think they're so well run their recruitment is so clever they plan really really well they use their resources brilliantly whereas United as we went through flittered money away left and right these use their money really well and I think Brighton do the same you know, you look at since, say, Graham Potter took over at the start of the um, the 1920 season. And you just look at the recruitment, and I think it's been very, very clever. They brought in Trossard, Webster and Mopey in his first season. Then in the January, they went and they got Aaron Moy and Tariq Lamptey. Now, four of them are still there. I know Mopey's... Looking like he's on his way out the door, but the rest are are still there. Um, Lampy's a key player, Webster's a key player, and Troussard is a key player. That was really good recruitment, all without really having to sell anyone that you were going to miss too much. I mean, they sold Knockhart, they sold Marcus Suttner, Anders Dreyer. I wouldn't. I think they might like to have him back. He's decent. They give up on him a little bit too early. 2021, after Potter, is changing the entire style of play, changing how they work, changing their approach. They don't have any any big uh, departures that year either. But yet, they go out... They bring in Jensen Weir, really clever signing, quality young player. Joel Veltman for a million quid, very good signing. Andy Zakiri, whether he makes the grade or not, I don't know. But Carbajal and Jakob Motor were excellent signings, and we've seen how good Motor looks. And in the January, then they go out and they get Moises Casado for about six million. And if they put him up for sale tomorrow, they'd probably get fifty to sixty million for him. Now that was a summer of maintenance more than anything. Then you look at last year. So last year they sell Ben White for 50 million. They get rid of a couple of the mistakes from the previous era, era of Chris Hutton in Lacadia and Yahan Bakesh, who are on big money. Davy proper goes out the door. Uh the one thing I think they made a mistake on was uh, Victor Gheorges. Uh, the lad who went to Coventry. He's really good. Um, They sell Dan Byrne in the January. Bernardo, he was another one that they brought in uh, from, I think, Leipzig. It didn't work out. They finally got rid of him. But again, they go out in the transfer market and it's not splashy, but it's smart. It's all smart business. They bring in Enoch Mwepu, a young, powerful, dynamic midfielder. They bring in Mitomo, who looked Really good when he came on against Newcastle. Mark Kukarela, they got him for 14 million, they sold him for 62 and a half. Sima, really promising player, had looked really, really good in the Europa League for Slavia Prague. Went on loan last year to Stoke, had a lot of injuries, and just couldn't stay fit. This year he's gone on loan to Angiers in France, but he's very, very talented, one to keep an eye on. They bring in Dennis Undav, who's at the time, I think the top scorer in Belgium, and Kasper Kozlowski, who people should be getting excited to see. If he sticks at Brighton this year, which the hope is that he will, uh, I think he's going to play a part and be someone that people really, really like. But they did all of that while making an enormous profit because they sold Ben White for 50 million. And got rid of a bunch of players that weren't making any difference for them and were just taking up big chunks of the wage bill. And then this year, they sold Basuma. Now they lost, they didn't lose money. They made money on Basuma. Uh, I think they paid 14 million for him and they got the better part of 30. They would have got more only. He had, only had one year left on his contract. But Basuma is obviously a quality player that they developed in house. Um, they sold Leo Ostergaard. I think that's a mistake personally, but look, they'll they'll be happy with what they did there. They made a significant amount of money and uh, they got him for nothing and I think they sold him for 14 million so they'll be fairly happy. And then obviously the big sale I've mentioned is Cocarella, but they get Levi Colwell in on loan. They get and CISO in on loan, another young player that they're very high on, nine and a half million from a Paraguayan team. They'd want to be high on him. They bring in Adingra, who's, again, meant to be very talented. He's gone on loan for the year. And then to replace Cocarella, they bring in Pervis Estupinan from Villarreal, who's very, very good. He Watford bought him five, six years ago. Couldn't get a work permit for him. He had a couple of really good loans. He was on loan at Almeria, did fairly well. Was on loan at Mallorca, did really well. Now, they were in the Secunda division. Then he went to Osasuna, and he was excellent. And Watford really should have kept him. But Villarreal were happy to pay 15 million, and Watford just couldn't turn that money down for a player they'd bought for about a million and a half. He had a difficult enough time with Villarreal because Unai Emery plays defensive football and it didn't really suit him all that well, but I still thought he did quite well. I was still fairly impressed with what I saw and what uh, Brighton have now brought him in. He's perfect as a left wing back. So now you've got him and Lamptey on either flank. That's really strong. I still think they've got holes to fill this summer. Um, I think you've got to get one more in midfield. I think you've got to get your number nine. I think you need a a backup centre-back. And I think you need a starting right wing-back. Now, that's counting Levi Colwell as a starting centre-back for them this year. But I still think they need four more players. Whether they get them or not, I don't know. Um, They might look at Kozlowski and say, he's going to be the one in midfield. He's what we're going to use. And if so, great. Great. Because you know, you've got Moder will be back in the new year, you've got Mweppu, you've got Casado, McAllister's playing deeper this year. That's a, it's a talented group, it really is. Um, but they need to find a better backup right wing back than Sully March, and uh, they need a backup center back for sure, and a starting nine. The starting nine is the biggest need and has been for three years now. Um, so look. Again, the point of this is, look how well-run these two clubs are. Like Brighton last season finished 10th. No, sorry, they finished ninth in the league. Ninth on their budget. Without spending frivolously, without throwing good money after bad, just clever business, season after season, appointing the right manager putting a tactical plan in place, adapting that tactical plan to fit the players you have and then in subsequent years bringing in players more suited to what you want to do. Go back and watch that united Brentford game again. You just watch the difference in the attitude between those players. Brentford's players would have ran through walls for Thomas Frank. United players just wanted to sit down. That manager hasn't reached those players yet. And in all likelihood, he's not going to reach some of them. And a big part of that is the likes of Cristiano, the likes of Maguire, the likes of De Gea. These overpaid, underperforming, privileged children who've done more harm than good at the club. Cristiano's first term accepted. Since he's come back, he's done more harm than good. Maguire's done more harm than good. De Gea was really good for years, but the last few years have been a disaster, and the truth of it is since the day he got there, he's been looking at moves back to Spain, so you know Brighton don't have any of that, Brentford don't have any of that, they have high character individuals, they recruit really well if you're Manchester United and you want to improve your recruitment department maybe just go and hire the lads from Brighton, or the lads from Brentford, maybe hire the head of recruitment from one of those clubs and get him to put in place similar practices what, to what they do. You're obviously not going to be targeting the same players, although, let's be fair, Mark Cocarella for the same money as Malachia this summer, is better than any left-back United have had since ever. Adam Webster would start for United. Moises Casedo would start for United. Enoch Mwepu would start for United. Tariq Lamptey would start for United. So those things work. Same thing goes for Brentford. Aaron Hickey would start for United. Rico Henry would start for United. David Rea is the type of goalkeeper they're looking for. You'd probably want someone a little bit better, but he's that type. Uh, Norgard would start for United. Ivan Tony would start for United. So there's merits to who they've bought as well as how they buy them. The lesson here is that you don't need to have all the money. It's not how much money you have to spend. It's how you spend it. Look at the way Liverpool have been able to challenge Man City with a fraction of their spend power. Because they're much smarter because of how they do things. Could they do a bit more? Absolutely they could. But Liverpool have proven you can compete with City without spending City type of money. Brighton and Brentford have proven you can compete in the Premier League with the Aston Villas and Leeds and Everton's of the world who spend far more money by being smarter than they are. We'll take a break when we come back. I think we've just got the gossip and we'll be done. So I'll see you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. So. West Ham United have signed Tilo Carrere from Paris Saint-Germain on a four-year contract. The 25-year-old German international has 22 caps, has been at PSG for four years, cost PSG 33 million in 2018, and West Ham are getting him for just over 10 million. I think this is a good signing. He can play right back, he can play in a three, he can play as a holding midfielder if you need him to. Him, Zuma, and Agard as a three, that could be really, really good if Moyes wants to toy with that at different points during the season. Spurs have signed Destiny Edoji from Udinese for 15 million and loaned him back for the year. Uh, There's potential for three million more in add-ons there. He's a left wing back or a left back. Very exciting player. Very, very talented. Um, Five goals and four assists in his first season in Serie A last year. And um, I, I think he's one that they've done very well to get. Now, they have a bit of a traffic jam now at left back, I think it's fair to say, with Sessegnon. Perisic Regulon still there, and him. The assumption is Regulon will go. Perisic is obviously on a short contract, I think two years. So they have him and Cessnion as their long term future at that position. That's a really good position for them to be in. Uh, Stoke have reached an agreement with Manchester City to sign Liam Delap on loan. Loan deal, no option to buy. Medical taking place today. Very very talented player. Championship loan is the right thing for him. Uh, Stoke fans just shouldn't expect any long throws. That was his dad's bag, not so much his. Uh, According to Andy Mitten, Manchester United want Christian Pulisic on loan and the player is up for the move. I don't know what to make of that. I really don't know what to make of that. That, to me, stinks of another bad move. I think Pulisic is talented, um, but he is so often injured that it would be very concerning to me to go and make that deal. He's 23, he'll be 24 next month. And when you look at his injury history, it just doesn't make good reading at all. So for a player of his age, he's had 17, 18 muscle problems, calf problems, muscle problems, and he was sick. He had a shin bone bruise and a knock, and he was sick again. That was just one season. 1819, muscle problems, torn muscle fiber. Muscle problems, torn muscle fiber, torn muscle bundle. One season. 1920, arch pain, groin injury, muscle bruise, tearing the abductor muscle, calf injury. Again, that's one season. 2021, calf strain, hamstring injury, quarantine, muscle injury. That's one season. Three injuries. And then last season, he had an ankle injury that cost him 12 games. He also seems to get sick a lot. One, two, three, four, five. Six different times in his career, he's missed games through sickness. Um, get him on some vitamins or something. I, that just strikes me as the, the typical Man United move, where they're desperate and floundering, looking for any help. Um Crystal Palace are working on a deal to sign Ishmael Asar, according to David Ornstein. There was some rumours that a bid was rejected, but Ornstein hasn't confirmed that, so we'll have to wait and see. You can see Sarah working in this Palace team. If the plan is to play Wilf as the 9, with Elise on the right and him on the left, and Eze as a 10, that's really exciting. Now, is there enough goals? That's what I'm unsure of. But you do have Mateta and Edward as options off the bench. So you do have goals in the squad. Still need a set a central midfielder and a right back to complete the team, but I I could see Ishmael Asar being a big success there. And also remember as well, one of the things Palace are buying for is they're buying to sell. They're buying players to develop them and sell them at a profit. They're not just buying them to keep them for the next six seven years. They could lose Zaha next summer. I think on a free. In all likelihood, if he stays healthy, Elise is gone next summer, off to a, a top club. So, you know, getting in Zaha or getting in Sar means that you do have him to carry the burden if either of those two or both of them leave. Him as a others can pick up the load. They've got the young Abuie kid who looks really good as well to come in. Um, Manchester United are consider- considering a move for Ilan Melier as the potential long term replacement for David De Gea. I could see that. He's decent with his feet. You could develop him. Manchester United are willing to pay around €80 million for Casemiro. United's offer is tempting to Casemiro because they would double his salary and he is considering it. This would be absolute madness if they did this. At his age. Absolute madness. Manchester United have joined Chelsea in the race for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. If it's a short-term one or two-year contract, it's not the worst thing in the world. Though if you pay £25 which apparently Barcelona are looking for, that's foolish. Willian is expected at Fulham's training ground today to complete a permanent move. Uh, some Manchester United players feel Eric Ten Hag's approach does not, uh, does not suit their skill set and they would benefit from a more pragmatic approach against Liverpool I think that's fair to say Eric Ten Hag is giving serious consideration to dropping Harry Maguire against Liverpool with with Darwin out they can probably play Martinez next to Varane at centre-back against Liverpool Casemiro has not closed the door yada yada uh, Tito Carrere. Marcelo is considering retirement because the only options he has thus far are from MLS and Qatar. Go and play in MLS. Issa Kabore has completed his move to Marseille on a loan with an option to buy for £20 million. Bernardo Silva wants to stay at Man City and is totally focused on the club. That's good news for Manchester City and bad news for the rest of the league. Um, Marco Asensio is no longer part of Carlo Ancelotti's plan with just one year left in his contract. AC Milan and AS Roma are currently interested. I can't see why Roma would want him. Manchester out of interest in Callum Hudson-Odoi and Hakim Zayic in addition to... Hudson-Odoi, absolutely. Absolutely, if you can get Hudson Odoi, do it. You get Hudson Odoi one wing, Sancho the other, and have Ahmad as the backup to Hudson Odoi on the right, or Sancho on the right, whichever way you want to work it. If you can get Hudson Odoi, absolutely, much better signing than Pulisic, much better signing than Hakim Ziyech. Which just, I, I get it. He's played under the manager, but no. Uh, Tottenham are edging closer to signing. Blackburn over 17-year-old defender Ashley Phillips don't know anything about him to be honest but he has been linked to a bunch of other top clubs including United and Chelsea. Uh Tanguy, Tanguy Endembelli will have his medical at Napoli tomorrow. Manchester United would like to sign Jan Sommer as their number 2 to put pressure on David De Gea to perform. I mean Jan Sommer's a, he's a good goalkeeper. But, I mean, he's 33 in December. How's this fixing any of your problems? Seriously. Is that all? That's all that's there. Oh, Manchester United are in advance talks to sign Serginho Dest from Barcelona. Look, I'm not a huge fan, but he's exactly the type of right-back that will help them. He's not great defensively, uh, and that's being kind to him. But he's not bad, and he's decent going forward. So, yeah, he would be a decent signing for United if the price is right. My feeling will be the price will be completely wrong because it's Manchester United. Uh, right, the gossip then. Leicester City's Wesley Fofana has agreed personal terms with Chelsea, but the two clubs have not settled on a fee because he's not for sale. Um, Chelsea have agreed a deal to sign Cesare uh, Cassidy. Callum hudson Adoy has told Chelsea he wants to leave the club. I think that one's been coming. Chelsea will allow Hudson-Odoi to leave the bridge, but only on loan. Todd Bowley has pleaded with him not to make not to force through a permanent transfer. I think United should go all out for him. He's not necessarily what they need. Do you know who else would suit them? Is Conor Gallagher. Conor Gallagher will go and win you the ball back. Uh, Newcastle have expressed interest in signing Hudson-Odoi, Pulisic and Conor Gallagher, as well as Armando Broglie, but can only take one player on loan and have financial restrictions on the number of permanent signings they can make. Uh, Athletic would be willing to offer Antoine Griezmann or Alvaro Morata in a swap deal for Cristiano. No, they wouldn't. Nonsense. Diego Simeone says he wants Manchester United target Morata to continue with the club, but he's starting at the minute, so you know. Real Madrid, uh, Casemiro, that's fine. Uh, Barcelona are not interested in Diego Diogo Delo. I don't know why they would be. Turkish side Besiktas want to sign Delhi Ali on a loan, or a permit move. What a fall from grace. What a fall from grace. Nice have lodged an opening bid of about 10 million euro for Ben Breerton-Diaz of Blackburn. I don't know why a Premier League club hasn't signed him yet. He'd be ideal for Southampton. He'd be ideal for Brighton. Um, I could see him working at Villa with Watkins if they wanted to play two up front. I could see him at Leeds. I think he'd be really good at Leeds, actually. I don't know why a Premier League club isn't all over him. Uh, nice also want to sign Nicolas Pepe on loan, and they're also hoping to sign Edison Cavani. Sevilla have completed the signing of Tanguy Nyanzonzi. Nyanzonzu. I can't even say his name properly. Tanguy Nianzanzu. Nyanzu. Oh, I don't know. Either way, he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Belli, uh this piece says he's not making a move to Napoli. I, I think he is. I think he is. I think this paper is just moronic. Netherlands forward Memphis Depay has met with Barcelona to discuss the termination of his contract. Marseille are set to announce the signing of Saha Siha. See Siha? Siha? From Troy's uh 17 year old midfielder. He's actually a left winger by the looks of things. Uh, United had been interested, but he's decided to stay in France. Arsenal have loaned runner Alex Runerson, the worst goalkeeper I've ever seen, to Turkish side Alanyaspor. Why does that name? Why do I know Alanyaspor? Why? I was talking with them to somebody recently. Hang on, somebody's been there recently. Oh, Leroy Furr is there. I, mean, I don't think it's him that I, that I was that I was talking to somebody about. Uh it's not him either. Who was there? Was somebody there last season maybe? Who was Stephen Calker playing for over there? Was it him that was at that club? It was Stephen Colker. No, Stephen Calker's there now. Wait. Wait. Yes! Stephen Calker, that's who he signed for. I knew I knew that. Club for some reason or other. But that's yeah. So they've got Stephen Calker and runner Alex Runnerson. It's not been the best transfer window for poor Allianspoor. Uh Juventus Ford Lena Hertik is close to completing a move to women's to the women's super league. The Sweden International is due in London on Wednesday to finalise terms with Arsenal. So fair play to the Gunners, getting a good addition for their women's team. And that is it, folks. That is the gossip. Another long one today. Unfortunately, I planned for a sure shorter show, but it is what it is. I'll see you all tomorrow for questions day. We've got loads of questions already in. Uh, some of them are quite good. And I know there's questions from last week that I haven't gotten around to. I will, I promise. I've My head's a bit of a mess. Liverpool have just let me down so badly. So badly this week that uh, I will get things. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Network.